Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Wednesday, March 30th. We begin with an update on the war in Ukraine. We speak with Robert Hewish from the Department of International Development Studies at Dalhousie University for details on Tuesday's peace talks between Russia and Ukraine in Turkey. It's the end of the honeymoon for Mayor Jyoti Gondek and the new city council. Well, that's the takeaway anyway from a new civic poll done by Think HQ Public Affairs. We get a breakdown of the results from the poll, which was done last month. How do you identify relationship-killing behaviors in your marriage? We discuss with author Matthew Frey, whose new book is titled, She Divorced Me Because I Left the Dishes by the Sink. And finally, it's perhaps the most popular of all comfort foods, cheese. And it is the focus of this month's edition of Savor Calgary magazine. We catch up with editor Cammie Laird for all the ooey-gooey details on Calgary's vibrant cheese offerings. Russia says it could pull back operations near Ukraine's capital following peace talks in Turkey yesterday. With some details on the peace talks and what it will take to end this conflict in Ukraine, we're joined this morning by Robert Hewish, Department of International Development Studies at Delhi. University. Good morning to you, Robert. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, my pleasure. Good morning. Appreciate it. Can you give us sort of a, a little bit of, a, you know, a, a, a Coles Notes version, I guess, of, of what happened with the peace talks yesterday? Right. So uh, since the talks went on, we're actually seeing uh, from, from media that's reporting in Kyiv active retreating of, of Russian military vehicles away from the capital. So it, it indicates that despite just how gruesome this conflict has become and just how aggressive Vladimir Putin has been with his intentions to basically, uh, you know, take take Ukraine off the map as we know it. Uh, we've seen that the resistance from Ukrainian forces has put enough of a, a bargaining wedge back on the table, <coughs> I beg your pardon, that the Russians are, are in a position where they have to re renegotiate what... Um, what their strategy is and what they consider to be a victory at this point. And what it seems to be is that the, the talks are going to move more towards uh, trying to find a form of neutrality for, for Ukraine, uh, especially the areas in, in the capital. But where it's going to get sticky is going to be the future of eastern parts of Ukraine, particularly in Donbass, and particularly what is going to become the city of Maripol, which basically the, the Russian forces have... Uh, have blitzed into being a ghost town at this point. So we know that the Russians are repositioning at this point. That certainly, you have to count that as good news. Will it last? Or are they just going to, you know, change targets, so to speak? But as far as, you know, you're mentioning eastern uh, sections of the country and concessions that will, you know, have to be made by Ukraine if Russia agrees to, 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 to finally put down their weapons. Uh, but, you know, how far will Ukraine take these concessions? And what, what else might be on the table, Robert? Well, I think the thing that to remember here is that, you know, we're seeing this uh, this conflict is one where there's been a lot of surprises on both sides in terms of what their military capability was all about. Uh, you know, Russia was boasting that it's, a, it's the second largest uh, military in the world. Well, that's not, that's not factual. But, uh, you know, we've seen the performance of the military uh, be very much underwhelming for what Vladimir Putin uh, had expected. Uh, you know, only about 120,000 troops uh, went in. There's, there's many, many more who are still in Russia uh, who, you know, the one theory says maybe they don't really agree with what Putin is doing in the first place. Uh, the other side of the equation is that you look at what Ukrainian fighters have, have put forward. They've essentially moved these armored convoys and these artillery barrages 
into a retreating position with nothing more than handheld weapons. Uh, two weapons in particular, the anti-tank devices that were given to Ukraine forces by Britain and the United States have proved very, very effective, and it's created this uh, this stalemate for, for Russia. Now, what happens next is the question. I believe that Ukraine will, will, will realize that this wasn't just an accident. Uh, they will be very, very concerned about safety and protection of national territory going forward so that Russia does not have the ability, or Mr. Putin doesn't have the ability to try to piece away at the country. And as for Mr. Putin, I think he is going to be uh, in a lot of hot water with his own generals and his own military to say, we, we, we went into this under poor intelligence, we didn't have the capacity, and look, we've, we failed at this. So it'd be, it, it, he's going to be in a real tough grind uh, to, to survive politically after this. Well, that's what I want to talk to you about, Robert. You know, political future for Putin. I mean, he, he pretty much determines that, doesn't he? Who's going to stand up to, the, to a man like that? Right. And, and that's the thing that we're, we're seeing sort of the backdrop with, with Russian politics right now is that there's been such a, a vacancy of democracy within the country for at least the past 15 years that the only way to really get rid of Putin is for someone to forcibly do it. Now, who will that be? Uh, the sanctions that the West have put in place have really targeted his, his, his top lieutenants, the, 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 the oligarchs who have made out like bandits during this. Uh, you know, there's been all sorts of corruption and graft within, within the Russian military. I mean, uh, to, to the point where the, there, were, there were even radios, so the, the advanced radios that they were trying to use in, in Ukraine, their, their military radios that can change frequencies quickly. Well, they ran out. Uh, so they've been using like cell phones and, and regular VHF radios that Ukrainians have been able to hack because somebody in, in the top uh, top portfolio there didn't fall through in the contract and ran out with millions. Uh, my point with that is that you have a lot of people who prospered enormously under Mr. Putin's regime, but not the Russian people. And now with sanctions also impacting them with the cost of everything going up, uh, I don't think Mr. Putin's going to have a lot of friends left in Russia. The, the, the people who've made out like bandits under his rule, their fortunes are starting to be seized. Uh, their futures are not uh, exactly you know, certain. And Russian people themselves are going to be suffering economically for a long time because of this conflict. I had a question uh, for you, Robert, uh, surrounding the, uh, the request for neutrality when it comes to Ukraine and not able to join NATO. That's what Russia would like. You know, they steer clear of NATO and there will be no, um, you know, military bases, you know, leased to a certain extent from other countries in Ukraine. But that does not mean that Ukraine has to be toothless, does it? They could they could beef up their military, you know, under neutrality, couldn't they? Exactly. And the thing is, is we, the West has been supporting Ukraine uh, for many, many, many years in many aspects of, of development and democracy assistance and also military assistance. So what we get into a situation here is where a country like Ukraine may, may very well be like that, that scenario in World War I where Belgium was supposed to be the, the neutral territory and eventually another conflict broke out there. But the, the thing is that Ukraine will likely receive a lot of military assistance from especially Britain and Germany, France and the United States uh, as this conflict continues and if it does resolve. So I would expect you'll see a, a very well-armed Ukraine going forward. But again, the, the problem is, is that when you start pouring weapons into a country, you have to make sure that they stay where they're intended. Uh, before the conflict broke out, Ukraine was one of the largest black markets of small arms in the world. Mm. And we don't want to see that uh, scenario return either. Very interesting. Great. Thank you so much for all the wonderful points. Thanks for, uh, for you know, getting us a little bit more informed this morning. Appreciate your time. 
My pleasure. Great to talk to you. Thank you. Robert Hewish is with the Department of International Development Studies at Dalhousie University. Well, five months into the top job at Calgary City Hall and almost one in 10 voters in this city are still unsure how they rate our new mayor. This comes from new polling data that we've had from Think HQ Public Affairs. And with some insight into the numbers and what they mean, we're going to break it down with Mark Henry, president of Think HQ Public Affairs. Morning, Mark. Thanks for being with us. Good morning. Thanks for the invitation. Okay, so to begin with, Mayor Gondek's numbers are, are really quite low compared to other mayors at this point in their new job, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, this is not called the, the honeymoon period. I mean, you get a new leader in and, you know, people generally want their mayors to be successful and, and uh, they're sort of new and novel and, and, you know, they haven't had a chance to sort of make people angry with the thing they've done this early. Uh, so usually we find approval ratings for for new mayors to be quite high at this point in their in their terms. Um, not the case for Mayor Gondek, unfortunately. She's sitting at thirty eight percent approval. All right. So yeah, breakdown besides her approval rating being thirty eight percent. What was your biggest takeaway from the data, and what other key points stood out to you, Mark? Well, th- there's a couple things. I mean, you actually have more people who strongly disapprove of her. Uh, performances merit then approve of her at all, um, which is unusual. We also find that when we ask people their ratings of their counselor, um, 45% said they approve of their counselor's performance versus 31% disapprove. Typically, the mayor will ha- have a pretty significant uh, buffer between themselves and the rest of council. They tend to be more popular, and, and that's part of the uh, the reason why mayors have sort of a, a more informal uh, uh, influence on, at, at council is, is they're better known and, and better liked for the most part than, than individual councillors. Mark, did you break down the, the why? Did you did you ask questions about why people approve or disapprove? I mean, we even got a text this morning, somebody saying it's it's the mayor's obsession with green energy. I think that really probably was, you know, a blow to her and her polling numbers, I would think, when that sort of came out. People just haven't, they can't get over that. Yeah, I, I don't think it, it boils down to one in, single issue. I think, you know, there are certain things that are within her control and some things that are not. I mean, these are difficult times. The economy's been struggling and we've just come through a pandemic, which obviously these are things she can't control. But there are things she can control. So declaring a climate emergency basically a first ter- uh, first week into their term uh, they've had a tax increase when you know prior to the election they said it was going to be a zero percent tax increase um the flames this, the arena deal the, the arena deal i mean whether or not she had a, a role in that i mean we can't don't really know but i mean uh the the business with bill 21 which is going to be a council today the the sort of tension between herself and the, and the police service and the police chief i mean there are things that are within her control and I, I don't know whether it necessarily boils down to one single issue how is if you can break it down for us mark how is this data gathered how is the polling done and did you find it you know swept across the entire city or are the results different depending on which quadrant of the city you're yeah, I mean, we do our most of our polling via online research panel. So these are people who have agreed to do uh, public opinion polling online, and we take a representative and, and random sample from from different panels and, and conduct the polls that way. Um, this was done uh, March 14th to the 21st, so it's it's quite recent. And looking across the city, um, Donick's numbers are a little bit stronger in the Northeast. 
in terms of her approval or, or rather lack of disapproval. Um, and the, the one area of the city where she does tend to be better is the inner city communities. So there she has 52% approval versus 42% disapproval. Well, I'm just on your website at thinkhq.ca. Looks like you have that info up there. So if people really want to dig a little deeper and get uh, some more info, they can find out the information there, right? And, and how the polling all sort of breaks down. Absolutely. Perfect. That looks good. Uh, I think it's it's really interesting data. I, I it's been it's been a rough go for the mayor for this this first little bit anyway. For sure, we'll, we'll I guess time will tell what it looks yeah. like after this. Well, you know, bumpy start, but there's you know thirteen hundred days to go, you so there's plenty of time to recover. Fair enough. Thank you so much for your time, Mark. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks a lot. Take care. Mark Henry is president of Think HQ Public Affairs, and again, you can go online thinkhq.ca if you really want to look at those numbers and sort of how everything really breaks down. You know, and we can or anybody can take pot shots at Mayor Jyoti Gondek. You you take pot shots at any politician, and that's I, I guess that's part of the, you know putting on your big boy or big girl pants mm-hmm. and, and doing your job when you're in the public eye like that. You signed up for it. You want to make a difference. You got to be prepared. You got to have a it's thick a skin. tough gig. But I, I would also say, you know, which politicians, any level of government is at this point getting high praise. Yeah. Um, with you're the right. exception of maybe uh, Prime Minister Zelensky in Ukraine. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know because it is the most tumultuous time. You're thinking, boy, I want to, you know, have a, have a life, you know, in, in public office. And now you're probably saying, maybe that wasn't the timing. Uh, maybe I should have waited a few more years, or maybe I should have gotten the game 10 years ago. It's, it's got to be difficult. You know, even I had Nancy and Dave Brancagne, who we mentioned, had yeah. good ratings at the beginning. People were ready for them yeah. to leave at the end, for sure. So, you know, maybe she turns it around. Maybe people really love her. It's, I think there have been a lot of really important issues that um, she's been sort of front and center for, whether, yeah. as, as Mark said, it's fully her decision or not, which, for the most part, it's not. She'll be the first to say she's one vote, right? Yeah, that's a good point. And that's something but we that- hold her accountable she is the leader and it's not just her who said that mayor nahad nenshi former mayor mm-hmm. nahad nenshi was saying the same thing to us people have this thought that they push a button and something is done yeah. that's because you're the figurehead you yeah. just, everybody assumes it's all you and and it's not but hey that's the responsibility of the job right the face of the organization the organization just happens to be the city of calgary divorced me because I left the dishes by the sink was a blog post for Matthew Frey back in 2016 that went viral. Now he's out with a new book called This Is How Your Marriage Ends, a hopeful guide to saving relationships. Author and relationship coach Matthew Frey joins us now. Hi, Matt. Thanks for joining us. Hi, good morning. Appreciate your time this morning. Tell us a little bit about this new book, Matthew, and your experience in the subject. Thank you. Well, my experience is that nine years ago, I got divorced almost to the day. It was April 1st is when my marriage ended, that being the day she moved out, not the day it legally ended. And I had a really, really hard time with it. And back then, I was of the belief that I was sort of being judged and treated unfairly and, and sort of the victim of this like unwanted divorce. And then I, I eventually got to work on trying to understand, okay, I'm like, what did I do? Like, what is the part I need to own to like protect my future self from having this happen again? And then over the course of the next few years, reading books, reading articles, talking to people, I, I really feel as if I started to kind of piece together something that made sense for the people that are quote unquote like me. And people like me being people who truly believe that they're good, 
decent, well-intentioned people who love their partners but somehow find themselves in these unpleasant, stressful, anxiety-riddled relationships, you know, 5, 7, 10, 15 years in. And we sort of can't explain what's going on because our relationships are great everywhere else, friends, family, coworkers, and but it's just rough at home. And to me, the explanation is because they live in these, like, nuanced, invisible places. And I think this idea of an argument about whether a dish should or should not be left by the sink lives firmly in this invisible place. So in other words, uh, you know, that uh, plate with macaroni cheese uh, still, uh, you know, glued to it on the counter really wasn't it. But it's a one more brick in the wall to a certain extent or it can't be, uh, you know, left behind. It can't uh, be uh, the, the other partner can't let it go. I think that the conversation is, and, and I try really hard not to, I, I try to take the attention away from the actual conversation, the merits of the dish by the sink, because the idea that really matters in relationships is if something matters to somebody else, it just it matters to them, and you don't think it matters, we have a tendency to speak and act as if we don't think that matters. But if we do things over and over and over again, week after week, month after month, year after year, that communicates the things that matter to you don't matter to me because I don't judge this to be important enough. I don't judge you to be important enough. Safety and trust goes away in our relationships very slowly, paper cut after paper cut. Mm. And then my belief is that five, seven, ten years in, really bad things start to happen. And it disguises itself as a harmless disagreement about a dish by the sink. Yeah. And it's really dangerous. Totally buy into that, Matthew. So before we run out of time, can you give us kind of one tip, you know, before we go out and buy your book, a little bit of advice that we can use to maybe rebuild or save our relationship? I hope so. I would say, I would say, I, forgive me for the stereotyping, because it's not always true. It's not always men do this, women do that. But I would say on average for women, is it possible, and I hate saying this, I hate it, because often they hurt and they're angry, but can you communicate to your partner, I know you're not trying to hurt me on purpose. This isn't about your character. I'm not saying you're a bad person, but this thing you're doing does hurt me, and I really need you to understand that so that we're disassociating the behavior from our belief about the person's character. But I think that's important to prevent defensiveness. On the other side, on the perpetrator side, uh, I was a serial invalidator, and I think a lot of people are. When we don't agree that somebody should think what they think or feel what they feel about what we did or didn't do, we have a tendency to communicate in a way that says, what I believe and what I feel matters way more than what you believe and what you feel. And when that's how conversations go about things that hurt, nothing ever gets repaired, and we die a slow death, like metaphorically, relationship-wise. And I, I want people to develop that conversation skill. Just succeed at mending whatever the broken thing is, even if it's really minor, like a dish by the sink or laundry on the floor of a bedroom or the position of the toilet seat in the bathroom. I think these are critical skills to navigate in order to not slowly erode trust in our relationships. Very complex, and you really boil it down to the basics, Matthew. Thank you so much for your time. We're going to direct people to Matthew Frey. So much for your time. It's such a pleasure. Thank you so much. That's Matthew Frey, relationship coach and author. And the front cover of Savor Calgary magazine is drool-worthy as usual, but if you're a cheesehead, you don't want to miss this one. Joining us now is the editor of Savor Calgary magazine, Cami Laird. Hi, Cami. Hi. Wow, the cover photo features a bowl of French onion soup. The cheese is melting everywhere. Lou, lou, gooey goodness. And oh, my gosh. We have questions for you about cheese, so help <laughs> us out. 
Oh, yeah. I had to dedicate an issue to cheese this year. It is the, probably, yeah, it's the best food on earth, no doubt. May not great for your Lululemon pants, but um, <laughs> you know what? Sometimes you got to indulge, yeah, and cheese is a good way to do it. Yeah, that's a, that's a Yellow Door Bistro dish, by the way, if you want to check that out, mm. uh, the one on our cover. And, uh, yeah, some good stuff. Yeah, we, as far as cheese, we it's not just a Calgary thing. It's not just a you, me, or Sue thing, because we're, <laughs> we're members of the club. Um, it, it seems like the ultimate comfort food. And the versatility, this is something that you had the opportunity to dig into. So many different corners of the city, so many different applications. Oh, yeah. There's um, some really great cheese shops um, or fromageries, if you will. And um, we'd like to start with Peasant Cheese, which is in Kensington, um, right beside Kensington Wine Market. So you got your wine and cheese just, you know, you could hop right next door and have a really nice meal put together for you. Cammie, uh, I was yeah. going to jump in there because did you know that you can get um, a subscription to cheese? Because I got one for my wife at Christmas from Peasant Cheese. And you just yeah. go pick it up. They've got a little, you know, bundle of deliciousness ready for you every month. It's awesome. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, there's so much to choose from. It is like wine that way. And sometimes you don't know. Mm-hmm. Either, you know, you step up to that counter, you're like, I don't know. But these people are experts. They know exactly what they're doing. Um, also, Bridgeland Market has a cheese subscription as well. You can find them different places. So lots of really great stuff to choose from. Um, there's an interesting company called Chinook Cheese that makes... Um, cheese right here in Calgary, um, Mediterranean string cheeses and halloumi, sort of Middle Eastern cheeses is, are their specialty. Um, some really great stuff there. And then, of course, there's Say Cheese um, in the Crossroads Market. And um, they uh, actually, the owner, Nancy Brown, is in our feature uh, in my kitchen um, in this issue, too. So you can get to know Nancy a little bit and uh, learn all about cheese from her as well. Is cheese making difficult? I mean, if we're seeing sort of, you know, fromageries popping up in the city of Calgary, is, does it require you know, anything special that we have here or can you get it and make it anywhere? Um, You can get it and make it anywhere, anywhere you have cows. Um, which we do, so that's great. <laughs> um, there are there are cheese making kits that you can get, um, and there's some information in our shop local column about that. Um, and we tried to make our own as well in our master class. We've made some um, black pepper brie, so there's the instructions there on how to do it. I'm not going to lie, there's many many steps, um, but at the end, uh, it's kind of a bragging rights. I made this cheese. Oh yeah, absolutely. Got to be proud of that. You also have you know a cheese quiz. What's interesting, you have some pro tips, and this was something I did not know. I'm wondering if you learned anything, Cami, because I'm learning here that you want to wrap your cheese in paper or parchment and seal it in a plastic container, but you want to avoid using plastic wrap as <gasps> cheese needs to breathe. Uh-oh. I have no idea. It's like a living thing, isn't it? When you think about it, I guess that, you know, it is it is made from bacteria and all that sort of thing. And I am guilty of keeping my cheese in a plastic bag. No longer. I will not do that anymore, thanks to Gino at the Italian store. Speaking of the Italian store, um, have you guys seen that wall of cheese? Yeah, I love the Italian store. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it, it's something else to see, for sure. The other thing I learned is that um, cheese should be brought to room temperature before serving which requires a great deal of patience I don't always have. Um, But yeah, so I'll be doing that too. Pull it out while you're opening the bottle of wine. You'll be good to go, I promise. Okay, okay. Hey, it's the early spring 2022 issue of Savor Calgary magazine. Find it on newsstands around you or go online, savorcalgary.ca. Thanks, Cammie. Thank you, guys. Cammie Laird is the editor of Savor Calgary magazine. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.